welcome to apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we are going to drink peanut butter hot chocolate by Wittard. While we talk about the podcast, Another Russia, the book Twin Crowns by Catherine Doyle and Catherine Weber. And finally, we'll end with things we just can't stop thinking about this week, which for Shosh is Liz Trust. And for Megan is pear eyewear. So Shosh, what did you think of switching it up from tea to hot chocolate this week? I really enjoyed it for something different because we haven't done a hot chocolate for, I mean, a really long time. So it's just kind of fun to have a different hot drink. I love peanut butter. So peanut butter and chocolate is one of my favorite combinations. So I was really excited Mm. about this hot chocolate. And it was good, but I would say I would have preferred more peanut butter. So mm-hmm. the there was peanut butter flavor to it, but it was pretty mild. Mild enough that I think you could, if you didn't know there was peanut butter, you could even miss it and just think it's hot chocolate. So very good, but I would have amped up the peanut butter for sure. Yeah, I agree so much so that I would say like uh, my taste buds do not taste peanut butter. Like, I would tell you it's not just plain hot chocolate, but if you hadn't said, hey, this is peanut butter hot chocolate, I would sort have said it was, like, hot chocolate with some sort of spice in it. Like, and not, like, you know, it's not, like, cinnamon or something. Like, I would be able to, like, tell you what it's not. I just wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> what it What was. it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it made a very delightful mocha. So I patted it to my coffee. And uh, I'm going, kind of wishing I could do this a lot more often, but I kind of can because I've got more of the hot chocolate. So. I was going to say, I think you have some more, so you probably, you probably could. Yep. Which so, is we'll not a I'll bad option. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Awesome. All right. Shosh, do you want to tell us about another Russia? Sure. So Another Russia is a limited series podcast from one of our favorites, Crooked Media. So anybody who's been listening to us and knows that we love pretty much everything Crooked Media puts out. So the it has two hosts and one of them is Ben Rhodes, who is mainly on the podcast. Um, I'd save the world. Thank you. I just totally blanked out for no reason. I was like, I can see the picture of it. It's about international stuff, but the name was not coming to me. Um, Happens to me all the time. He's with uh, Tommy Vitor on um, Pod Save the World. I almost forgot again. This is going downhill real fast. Um, which we have discussed oh, that's it. On... We quit today. Bye guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not working. We're done. No. Um, we've discussed Pod Save the World. There we go. On a previous episode. So that's one we regularly listen to. And if I remember correctly, is Megan's favorite of the Crooked Media podcasts. Um, and then he's joined by, I'm gonna butcher her name, Jana Nimstov. Let's hope that's right. So she's Russian and she has actually, I think, been interviewed before by Ben Rhodes on Pod Save the World, but they did this limited series about the story of her father. And so it's only six episodes. Is that right? Yep. And it's a very, very interesting story. To be honest, as I was listening to it, I was kind of surprised that I didn't really know the story before the podcast because it's kind of crazy and I don't know I just feel like it should have been on my radar and maybe it was like maybe I heard about these things and it's just now been a while so I don't really remember that it came up at the time but it felt like it was brand new and like I should have known about it so I don't know Mm -hmm. if you had the same experience but it felt like it was a new story to me Yeah, I mean, the story was definitely new, and a lot of the details were new, but I knew the name. So, like, Boris Nimsov, I I knew that name, and I would have been able to tell you that he was Russian, and that probably would have been where my intelligence ended. (laughs) I was like, oh, I I remember him being in the media for Russian stuff, 
and I think he was against Putin. So two thumbs up from me. Is that, is that, is that one? <laughs> um, and then, you know, he worked with, um, oh, the gentleman who got, who was poisoned and put in jail. I can't I remember his name. Navalny, Alexander Navalny. Navalny, thank you. And I knew that story in large part because Ben Rhodes wrote specifically about Navalny in his previous books. Um, and so there were pieces of it that I definitely knew, but I didn't know this story. I certainly didn't know like the background of Boris Nemtsov and um, his pro-democracy and how close we at like Russia actually got to being on a different path. No idea. Yeah. See, I didn't really realize that either. And while we did read Ben Rhodes's book where he did have a lot of stuff about Navalny, I somehow like in my mind hadn't kept like some of those other names that were associated with him together. So when I was reading or listening to this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I mean, because we know so much now, and he's such a big figure, Alexei Navalny, I was like, I feel like I should have remembered and known this, and I was like, but I totally didn't, even though, like I said, we've had the information, but I think it was just because of the way the story was presented, and that the focus was on different people and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was his story and her family story with these other people that are now very prominent names kind of as the side characters rather than him just being mentioned as someone else's side character if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but it was really interesting and also like with lots of these kinds of stories it just it always I don't know makes me so impressed with people and the things that they are that they deal with and their families have to go to and the risks they put themselves at you know for all of these things it's just, it always blows my mind how brave people are and how much, how much they put themselves out there and how much they do to fight for these kind of things. And it's always really impressive. Yeah. So for those who haven't heard, haven't listened to this podcast or don't know the story, I'll give a very brief, I don't want to say ugly summary, because that's not what I mean, but it's like, this is like the bare bone summary and it's not going to give any like any real credit to how beautifully told the story is in the podcast. But um, Boris Nemtsov was a politician in Russia who really believed in democracy and was pushing for democracy prior to Putin coming into power while Putin was in power. And of course, every minute of his life, uh, Boris's life, that is. Um, And Uh, the story is told from essentially from the perspective of his daughter and his daughter's love for this man who did love his daughter also he never pushed her aside but he never allowed her fear of his life to dictate his actions either and you can say that is you know loving or not you can decide that as you listen to the podcast um but you know, it was a very dangerous time for anyone to be pro-democracy and be against the oligarchs and Putin. And so this, while that's a very simple story, it's essentially the story of Boris's life. It gets into the stories that we do know as Americans, like we know about Putin. We know he was put into office. We know who was prime minister. I think that's the right, that's, they have a president and a prime minister, right? Um, and um, I think that's right. Yeah, and there was so. another position, right? Um, this is where you find I don't know my Russian history very well, or my I should say my Russian even current politics. I don't know the positions. Um, and so this story tells it is the story of Boris Nemtsov, but that story gets into the politics that you probably have heard as an American. Um, and a lot of it's still continuing because Putin's still in power. It's still problematic to be pro-democracy, to speak your mind, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of these issues, while 
maybe some of them were developing or starting in this story have definitely stuck around and or even gotten worse potentially so it's not all new information in that respect but yeah thanks for giving a sort of recap of the story i think that was probably a very good idea um i don't know some of the things that were really interesting about the podcast were just again a lot of the details and things that i never would have known and also since it is from his daughter's point of view just her feelings and how it sort of affected the other lives of his family members and things and again just the bravery from everybody because I don't know the story Boris Nemtsov's story is so crazy because he went from this like young kind of like idyllic politician who was basically slated to be the leader of Russia who's been like kind of like hand-picked and then essentially was like torn apart and torn down and some of it for super dumb things that are surprising like what he wore to meet one of the leaders or whatever when he was in office and ben rhodes pointed out that you might think that's silly but then you know the conservative media (laughs) yeah the conservative media made like a huge thing about obama's tan suit which again why for both but why but you know so some of it was silly stuff and then some of it was manufactured stuff that just really made him seem like a terrible person and things which also is scary because then it makes you think well it just in general around the whole world how much of you know the things that you hear in the news is real and not real and i don't know just the fact that they you know people have the power and the ability to manufacture such elaborate stories to to discredit people is I don't know disheartening a little but yeah for sure so essentially they you know take him out of that position and kind of topple him and break him down and then it's like his continued fight even with all of that for essentially a better Russia and Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah like I said it was just really interesting to hear some of the details and like how it affected his daughter's life and his family's life what it was like for them to find out that he had been assassinated also the Mm -hmm. continued ramifications because again he started working with Alexei Navalny who right now is probably the most prominent sort of you know pro-democracy fighter in Russia and he's been poisoned and imprisoned And I mean, he went back to Russia even after being poisoned and he also has a family. So I imagine it must be so difficult for them. It's just, I don't know, none of this stuff is easy and it's so, so complicated Mm -hmm. and so crazy. And like I said, these people are just so brave to essentially put their lives on the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they definitely stand by what they say and what they believe. And the piece about the like Russian tv stations and putin realizing the importance of controlling the narrative is really interesting just because you know you hear all the time in the u.s about you know the freedom of freedom of speech freedom you know freedom from of the press and in the united states at least recently people have been using that phrase in ways that they do not seem to understand and this really helps at least helps me remember but what that concept actually means what it means for a government to be in control of the media being the government being like the ceo of the company um you know people are like well npr is federally funded i'm like sure a like I can't remember it's like eight percent of their budget is is federal funds that is not a controlling stake like they can lose those funds and continue to say whatever it is they're going to say and yes a few people would probably have to lose their job for that to happen but that is not a controlling stake in the company uh and so it's people need to recognize what freedom of speech actually means um and what truth like you know really means and it's not what you believe like truth is there's something out there that is transcends what i believe and what you believe that is the actual 
truth. With a right. It's not P. about what you believe. It's about what the facts are. And also, I think the difference mm -hmm. is with stuff like NPR is the transparency and the communication, because there have been multiple times where they have had stories about different companies. Like I think Facebook, for example, might be one of them. And oh, yeah. every single time they say, just so everyone's aware, we have had funding from Facebook. So they specifically right. say it. One so, of our sponsors. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's no question. So some of it is that too. It's like, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. bad as long as we're telling people. Mm -hmm. Well, and in most of the cases, they're like, Facebook is a sponsor. And here's all the things they're doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Because usually it's stuff in the media that people are being critical of or questioning or they're having problems or so it's not actually keeping them from reporting the stories and they're being transparent about it which is really all you can ask for but right I don't know it is the whole media part is pretty scary I mean like you said there is obviously that whole interesting concept and discussion about you know actual government control and different things but it also still just makes you think about and worry about stuff like in the U.S. with Fox News and uh, the conservative media hold that they have. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, the whole thing is just so scary, really, especially because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said it on a past podcast. And I now, because it's been too long, don't remember what the source was. But there was at some point I read about how people who are democrat slash just liberal leaning and i think the independent-ish people fall more in the category too but they get their news from multiple sources like a lot more different sources they're not reliant on one single source and then the more conservative you are the less news sources you are looking at the fewer sources and, do you yeah right and most of them the really conservative people are literally down to one to two sources fox news probably being the biggest but then some of them will have like oan or something equally conservative along the same lines but they really get down to these situations where they're only listening to you know one or two people saying the exact same things and i mean that's just really scary too because if they're feeding people lives, lies like that the uh, 20, you know, the, the election was stolen in 2020. And even if that's not true, if that's what they're just being told over and over and over, and they recognize that as a reputable source, so they believe it, it's like hard to fault them for believing it because they're being told the same thing over and over from someone they think is telling them the truth. And it's like, how do you break that cycle? especially when yeah. they won't go outside of that that box. Right, when the options for other things are actually there, because that's the other thing in Russia is there, there is no other option. Like, you know, in the United States, we're like, why are you not using your resources? In Russia, it's a lot harder to even access those other resources, let alone use them, you know? Right. So again, it's hard to fault the Russian people when you know, they're only being fed certain news that was picked for them and telling a certain narrative. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, there's so much pressure from the government. I don't know. It's just really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. But you mentioned earlier, and I thought it was interesting that you flagged it up, that it's crazy how close Russia was to having a completely different past. Yeah, And it's so, I don't know, it's just hard to imagine what would have happened if it had played out a different way. Like if Boris, you know, Nemtsov hadn't been essentially pushed out and Russia really had moved towards like a democracy. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that Russia, but it's, yeah, it's just crazy. Right. And I feel like there were two times because there was also... I mean, I guess the second time when Putin was like, oh, here's my out. I'm going to I'm going to become the prime minister and swap with swap places with my prime minister and make him the president. I don't remember what his name is either. Sorry. Um, and I guess unbeknownst to anyone, this was a deal the two of them had made. They were going to swap, you know, they were going to 
swap places as soon as the term was up. But, you know, this gentleman had worked with Obama and, you know, and his own people, like really, at least in this, the way the story was told is everyone believed he was going to get a second term because he was going to actually win a second term as president in an, in a democratic type election. And then just kidding, we're just going to announce something different. And now we're back to Putin as president. And you're just like, and then he never left. I know, but it's also just so like, you know, it's what if why? Yeah, there's all the what ifs, and then also like, the greediest man is the one who wins, because if you know, obviously, if this the gentleman who was swapping had just been like, you know what, actually, I really like being president. Let me do it for another four years because I have all this support. Like all the oligarchs love me, but because. He was le- essentially less greedy than Putin. We didn't get that. Like this, like what? The, what am I supposed to get from this? This moral sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, but it is. It's like the what ifs. Like what would have happened if he had refused to swap and actually yeah. had a legitimate election or attempted to get reelected or whatever you know, whatever the case may have been. I mean, who knows? It might have still worked out the same way. Maybe Putin would have had him poisoned or something. <laughs> no idea. Okay. So I mean, it could have it could have ended up the same way. But also, maybe because at that point Putin hadn't amassed quite as much power. I mean, he still clearly had support and power. But I just mean, right, yeah, not the same as like today, where they've now like changed the rules and stuff to keep him in power. Um, you know, it's like what would have happened if he had you know reneged on the deal right i don't know it's hard to know it's like literally just playing that what what if game but it's crazy you know yeah and then also i wonder if you are the oligarchs how you feel because at least again with the way the story is told is that the oligarchs went looking for being essentially a patsy like they went looking for someone that they thought they could control to put in the president's position and you know you take all the glory and all the flack but also like you just do what we say and we'll support you and the moment Putin was made president he was like you thought that's how this is gonna work wrong I now know all of your secrets and uh cross me and you're dead like those are the options and I just wonder, the f- like, no, what sorry, it feels like to be one of those oligarchs. If you're like, oh, I did this to myself. If you're like, oh, I don't care because I'm just like, you know, I put him in play. He knows my secrets. I know his secrets. So I'm going to be fine. Like, I just don't know what that would feel like. But it's so interesting. I was going to say, but they also have still benefited from Putin regardless. Right. So... It's also yeah, like maybe they don't rule. care because they're greedy. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And then it's definitely like not a system whole... I would want to be part of. Ooh. Yeah. No, it'd be scary. But I feel like we're like we're not careful. We're moving in that direction here in the states. Yeah. Oh, worse. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so interesting because. Um, Johanna, sorry, Jana, Jana. There we go. Um, sorry. Um, horrible with names. Anyway, Jana, like she spent time, kind of interacting in her youth with the children of the oligarchs, and was given kind of the opportunity to see that life, be a part of that life. And she very intentionally was like, I don't like this. This is not in line with what my father has taught me. It's not in line with the vision of the future I would like to see for Russia. Uh, and so she she went to her parents and was like, I'd like to move. And like, what a, what a strength of character that she had at like 16 to be able to say, I already see this is not right. Right. I want to go back to my old school. hmm when she had the opportunity to be like, it's not right. And I could join it. You know what I mean? This is not like, it's not right because it's not about, it's, you know, yeah, it's not about me. It's 
not right. She's like, this is just not how things should be, even though I could join it and benefit from it. So interesting. Strong strength of character, like you said. Yes. Yeah. And this is neither here nor there, but I just, I could listen to her talk all day. I just love it. I just love her voice. Yeah. It's English with a Russian accent, but I like it. I like it. Yeah. But the podcast was really well done, very well thought out, just long enough to get the story in, but not, you know, too long that you, you know, feel like it's dragging on or get bored or anything. It was, I thought, really, really well done. High production value, as you would expect from Crooked Media. Mm-hmm both co- yeah. co-hosts were really good I mean Ben Rhodes is amazing with all kinds of sort of international type issues and different things and is so knowledgeable and then Jana is obviously her personal family story so she lends a different kind of credibility and you know makes it so personal so the combination mm-hmm. is I thought I thought really good they lay it mm-hmm. out so that you can actually understand everything as well so mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great example of some of the things I was talking about last week. It's like, if we can tell the story, then you can get into the examples and then you can get into the data. And like, it really, the lens is her story. And then the, you know, the examples are how her father acted, how uh, other people had been treated. And then like Alexei Navalny, and then the data of look at Russia now, look what's happening. Here's how Putin is shaping the future definitely yeah so really well done i wouldn't say it's an upper but it is hopeful yeah and definitely interesting and worth listening to all right do you want to tell us about twin crowns yes so twin crowns is book one of at least a duology at this point um the second book is already expected publication is next year and the back cover on Goodreads says that Ren Greenrock has always known that one day she would steal her sister's place in the palace. Trained from birth to return to the place of her parents' murder and usurp the only survivor, she will do anything to rise to power and protect the community of witches she loves. Or she would, if only a certain palace guard wasn't quite so distractingly attractive and if her reckless magic didn't have a habit of causing trouble. Princess Rose Valhart knows that with power comes responsibility. Marriage into a brutal kingdom awaits, and she will not let a small matter like waking up in the middle of the desert in the company of an extremely impertinent and handsome kidnapper get in the way of her royal duty. But life outside the palace walls is wilder and more beautiful than she ever imagined. And the witches she has long feared might turn out to be the family she never knew she was missing. Two sisters separated at birth and raised in two entirely different worlds are about to get to know each other's lives a whole lot better. But as Coronation Day looms closer and they each strive to claim their birthright, the sinister king's breath, Willem Rathborn, becomes increasingly determined that neither will succeed. Who will ultimately rise to power and wear the crown? This was really fun. (laughs) This was really fun. So this book was picked because I had gotten it in a book box from Lit Joy Crate. And basically, I keep collecting all of these books and then not reading them, not on purpose, but part of it is because most of them come as actual books. And so while I like actual books, they don't always function that well in my life. So I put them on my shelf and intend to read them. And then with a giant TBR and using, you know, my phone and my iPad and things, I just, I forget about them, honestly. So I was like, I have to make an effort to start getting through some of these books because otherwise, why am I subscribing and getting these book boxes? So Megan was kind enough to read it with me. And 
I really liked this in the sense that it was two new authors. So I've never heard of these authors had never read anything from them. And then honestly, I didn't even really know what it was about. I just, again, have this list of books that I've decided I have to start working through. So with the LitJoy books, which we've talked about them before, so you probably, if you've been listening, have heard their name before. I have liked them to different degrees, but there's never been one that I haven't liked. They usually make really good choices. So I was like, okay, let's let's just read it, even though I don't know anything about it. But I really enjoyed it. My only gripe was that I thought it was a standalone <laughs> until we were already reading it. And then I found out that it was going to be a duology. So I was a little disappointed in that respect, only because now we're stuck waiting for another book. <laughs> but I thought it was really fun. I really liked the characters. I really liked the story. I feel like the writing level was definitely YA, which is not bad. But I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like you could feel that in, in the writing or the story but really easy to get through, really enjoyed it. Wish I could have the other book right now because I want to find out what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I said about the book that was negative, if it at all negative, is just that it reads, it's like YA, but the younger end of YA. So not quite middle grade, but getting there. Um, but otherwise, it was really enjoyable. The you know, emotions are real and earned. The romance from each of the characters is really cute. Really I'll be cute. Very interested to see. Like you, you kind of know, like trope-wise, what is coming next, but also not quite. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next book. Definitely. I really, like I said, it was really cute. I really enjoyed it. So. Yeah, and yeah, the authors are sisters-in-law, so I don't That's know if they too. met through, you know, the sibling that someone married, or if they were friends first, uh, but Catherine Doyle has written other YA books, mm. and she's written a trilogy called Blood for Blood, uh, there's three of them, Vendetta, Inferno, and Mafiosa, maybe? And it's described as Romeo and Juliet meets the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> um, not sure that would normally appeal to me or be something that I would pick up, but these were easy to get through and I enjoyed the story. So, I mean, I wouldn't not read them because of the, because I liked this one. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed. She's also, the other book she's written is a middle grade novel, so maybe that's just kind of her area. And also, I guess that would maybe make a little more sense on the level of writing in this one. That's kind of where she, you know, is the most comfortable and spends most of her time. Mm -hmm. So, but again, I didn't have a problem with the writing. It's just, you can tell, you can tell it's definitely at that YA level but again that's part of I think why it's so easy to get through just makes you mm -hmm. like go through super quick so so with that in mind I would definitely give um tell people that this would be worth reading as long as it doesn't yeah. bother you obviously to read a a definitely YA book yeah and uh, Goodreads says that if you have read the Kira cast uh, the selection you would like this book and hmm. if you liked Cassandra K Cassandra Clare's Chain of Iron series that you would like this book or the fable and namesake that we have previously talked about on this podcast if you like that it says you would also like this book so if you like those I mean they're not wrong because we've liked all of those and liked this but it is interesting because I'm like, I don't necessarily quite see all of the connections between, between those. I mean, maybe a little, yeah. but it's interesting. Yeah, that, that's interesting. But again, they're not wrong. Yeah. We, we read those and right. then we read this and we liked it. So I can't really argue with them about it. So. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe we're influencing that particular section of Goodreads. <laughs> 
<laughs> probably we've become a statistic. <laughs> well, Shosh, do you want to tell us why you can't stop thinking about Liz Truss? <laughs> yes. So I won't go into like super depth about British politics or anything, but I just have been thinking about Liz Truss a lot because she's been a very prominent figure for the past 44-ish days over here. And as of yesterday, she has now resigned. So clearly it's on my mind. But for anybody who doesn't know, Liz Truss was the prime minister um, the appointed prime minister yes very important on. to know <laughs> the appointed <laughs> prime minister so when boris johnson got pushed out their party so the conservative party here in the uk was still in power and so they got to decide amongst themselves who the next prime minister would be which in a lot of ways feels unfair it was the same thing with Boris Johnson. We didn't vote Boris Johnson in either, but that's a whole other story. Like I said, I said I wasn't going to get into the the British politics, but so she Sorry, my became. Fault. I just had to point it out. No, no, it's <laughs> fine. But she she became the prime minister, and honestly, they didn't really have anybody good to replace Boris Johnson, and there were two options. But the part of the thing that I find kind of amusing about this is like her own party picked her and put her into power and they knew her agenda before she went into office then she goes well, into office agenda. they just don't want to have and, to own it well she goes into office and starts trying to carry it out and essentially the world economy melts down i mean i'm exaggerating a little bit but like the projections were terrible the pound tanked it you know the bank of england was trying to you know going crazy to stabilize things like it was not good at all and that then forced her to start firing some people and start reneging on all the things that she said and then some of her cabinet members started walking out and her own party is like we don't have faith in her now on one hand i feel just a little bit bad for her because they didn't really give her much chance. I mean, 44 days is not a long time. And for the first 10 days of it, the government was essentially shut down because the queen died. <laughs> so right. on one hand, I feel a little bad. It's like you, whether I agree with her or not, these people, this is like their ultimate goal and position within the political realm that, you know what I mean? And then you finally get there and basically it's, you know, instant meltdown and you're gone. So I feel a little sympathy for her in that respect, but but not much because she probably shouldn't have ever been there to begin with. So now we're going to have another prime minister within the next week. <laughs> and two things I would like to note is just one is there's a very funny um, live stream video of a head of lettuce <laughs> <laughs> that's decorated sort of like Liz Truss that somebody started a live stream of for a joke to be like which would last longer the lettuce or Liz Truss and at the point she resigned the lettuce outlasted her so very very silly but amusing because you know people are ridiculous so I would just like to note that because it's amusing and then second of all Amir pointed out to me, and at first I didn't believe him, but in the time we've been in the UK, so for like nine years, we will have had five prime ministers. I mean, technically it's four at the moment, but within the next week, we'll have a new one. <laughs> but five prime ministers within the time that we've been here. Craziness. I mean, it's absolute <laughs> craziness. I just, like I said, I didn't even believe him at first, but then you start counting it off and you're like, oh, nope it is actually going to be five. And I would also like to point out that it's very frustrating because this new prime minister will also just be appointed. And I want them to call an election, which I think they already should have done. But of course, they don't want to because at this point, the Conservative Party is almost guaranteed to lose some of their power. And so clearly, they don't want to do that. <laughs> but I think it's unfair. And they don't actually have a good candidate for prime minister. So let the people choose. Well, who's going to do the job now? Like, well, probably. Party won't. Ugh. 
I would never. So it'll you probably be Rishi Sunak. No, it's probably going to be Rishi Sunak, who was in Boris Johnson's government, and he was the other person. It was between him and Liz Truss when they were picking, and she right. beat him out. I don't think he's a good choice either, but I think he was probably the more competent choice. Like when when it was between them again. While I personally don't like didn't like either candidate I was like well he, right, he's actually yeah. the, the better the better choice of the two because again he just seems more competent and had been you know in Boris Johnson's government and again not perfect not my candidate but I, I think he might have been the better choice so I have a feeling it's just going to be him because I'm not really sure there wasn't really anyone else who wanted the again, job who's gonna and, they, and they don't have a lot of good options so my guess is it will it will be him and again I think he'll be better than her but it's not going to be like an instant fix by any means it's the whole thing is just like a joke it's just a mess and it's kind of hilarious oh yeah so I mean because of the delay in the United States like I woke up yesterday morning to all the news about her like defending herself in this meeting where people are booing her and all this stuff and then by the end of my day I'm listening to news or and like in this and that morning news she was like I'm a fighter I'm not a quitter I was like okay like in my mind I was like okay give her a week she didn't even last a day by the end of my day yesterday she had submitted her resignation and I was well I just have to say British politics are weird and crazy. I mean, you could say that about all all politics, but they literally oh, yeah, sit there in parliament yeah. and like scream at each other and make fun of each other. And like, I mean, it is, it is crazy. And I kind of wonder, like, do they just walk out and all of a sudden they're friends? Like, do they just pretend to like none of that ever happened? Like, I, I don't know. But yeah. so literally members of the other party were essentially like bad mouthing her and stuff and her only response because she didn't have a good one but not that you can blame her what are you supposed to say when people are you know bad mouthing everything you've done but she she literally was like yeah I'm I'm not a quitter I'm a fighter and then practically turned around and resigned which I don't think she had another choice but you know it's just well, she could it's, not it's quit. Funny. It would have sucked, but it was. Uh, but she had no support. Like even her own party <laughs> was turning on her. She could have been ousted. She chose to resign. <laughs> I I suppose, but I don't think they gave her a choice. I'm pretty sure she met with. I don't know. It has a name that I don't remember, but sort of like a council of like some of the most senior members of the party and stuff. And I'm pretty sure, like, there hasn't been anything about what they actually said they just that they had the meeting and then shortly after that she resigned but I'm basically pretty sure her own party just kicked her out and told her you just need to go so yeah we'll see what's gonna happen but the whole thing has been a mess and also slightly amusing and you know just crazy so yeah agreed but entertaining from a outside perspective yeah definitely well, I don't know that there's much more to say about Liz Trust. I think we've more than exhausted that. So do you want to bring us up and tell us about your glasses, which is much sure. more fun? So there is this company called Pear Eyewear. And I think they were originally on one of those like shows where people, you know, in front of a panel of people say, here's my invention, please fund me, like Shark Tank or something. Um, I don't actually know that for sure. I just feel like I read that somewhere. Um, So I didn't, I don't watch those shows. I mean, there's nothing against them. I'm sure they're entertaining. I just haven't gotten sucked in by them. (laughs) And, uh, but I've been getting all these Instagram and Facebook advertisements for these super cute glasses. And some of them look kind of small, like narrow. And I'm always looking for essentially child-sized glasses for my face because my face is small and uh, like I found the smallest glasses at my optometrist office and they're still a little big in terms of like lens and just how they fit on my face so I went looking for them and um, the way that they work you can buy the frames and the frames come in five colors black brown like marble blue clear and pink 
and then you get to buy toppers. And so they met, I'm pretty sure it's a magnet. Um, they magnetically attach to the front of the frame, changing what the frame looks like. And um, they're relatively inexpensive. It's, um, if you have a simple prescription, the, the lens and the frame is 60 bucks. And then you, um, the toppers are 25 to 30, depending on if they're licensed or not. Uh, so lots of the toppers are licensed like with Harry Potter or your favorite like football team. Um, there may be baseball, I can't remember. Um, there's a peanuts line so you can see the licensing. So if they have to pay a licensing fee, then it's more expensive for them. And so they pass that fee onto their uh, you know, customers. But I'm super excited. Mine have been ordered. Uh, unfortunately, my prescription is not simple. So I had to pay a hundred bucks instead of 60. Um, though if you use like Hello 10 or Fall 10 or something like that, you can get 10% um, off. So if you're gonna do it, actually, if you're going to do this, let me know because I can give you a referral code for 10% off. And then I think if like three people refer from me, I get like $325 or something like that. So. If you do this, let me know and I'll give you a referral code and you can get money and then I can get money. Um, but anyways, super fun. I cannot wait for them to come. They have a very cool try it on online feature where you like use your camera and it'll um, kind of, I don't know, it looks like it whites out the glasses you're currently wearing and then puts on the glasses that you would be wearing. So it's not perfect but it is super fun. You can at least get an idea about how the glasses will look. And um, so I have ordered pink frames. They're kind of a blush pink. And then three toppers. I've ordered the Harry Potter topper, a mint teal sparkle to topper, surprise, surprise. And then I ordered a pair of sunglass toppers. So I'm super excited. I cannot stop thinking about it. I have talked about these for like months like I months ago I started thinking about it and then finally um I got paid for teaching a lot of classes <laughs> and so I was like I can uh, yeah I can take some of that and kind of early birthday present to me um get my new glasses so I did so I don't know if these are available in the UK because I haven't actually looked, but Megan has definitely gone through the website with me and I've seen what she picked and they look so cool. They look really neat. Gives you so much flexibility if you can change them. And there are a lot of really, really cute designs, like super fun. So they definitely would have something that would appeal to everyone. And I can't wait for Megan to get them because I'm excited for her to get them because I want to see them. So even I am waiting anxiously for their arrival, but it seems really cool. Yeah, and I just looked it up. You actually cannot get them in the UK right now. They do ship to the US and Canada only. But I feel like if they can get to Canada, they can eventually get to the UK. They say they're working on it. They hope oh, to expand nice. internationally very soon. And that's I have no cool. idea when that was written though. So, oh, one and month I ago. Yeah, I also don't know if there's something equivalent here. Again, it's not something I've really searched for, but it's definitely a very cool idea. So I'll be interested to see how they work, how well the toppers stay on. You know, yeah, be... I'm worried about that. But they like in many of the advertisements, people will have like nine different frames that they like kind of flare up in kind of a fun way and then put down. And I can't tell Whoa. if they're all staying on there or not, but I think if it's magnetized, you could do like three or four toppers, which would be crazy. Like that's unnecessary and right. weird. But if those will stay on, that leads me to believe that just one frame at a time is probably probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I am worried about that. I feel like that must have been like majorly tested though, or they wouldn't be putting them out. Because I don't see if, you know, if they were coming off all the time and people were losing them, then it's not really a viable business option. So I'm yeah. sure it's probably fine, but still, it's just one of those things where, you know, you'd like to see it to 
know for sure, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. And I will say that because like, so originally I, I tried to get the like $60 ones, right. So not pay for the, my actual prescription that <laughs> I was hoping that they could like do it, but just wouldn't be as, um, like wouldn't be identical uh, just because I know that like my prescription it's for astigmatism so that makes everything difficult anyway but then there's also magnetism at the very bottom because my optometrist was like well how often do you read or stare at a computer and I, I like started all laughing. day long I was literally like if I tell you 15 hours a day even though that that's probably ridiculous and not quite true but, but do you get my point <laughs> he was like okay I also was like if I told you that it's what August and I've already read 100 books does that tell you anything <laughs> he was like oh my god he's like yeah okay it's and then he was really he's like if this is not a bifocal I was like it's a bifocal you're it's a <laughs> he was like no it's not I was like you're very kind I'm getting old it's fine oh <laughs> yeah but he was very kind it doesn't matter. Yeah, All that matters is that you can see and you can read. Yeah. And my whole point of all of that is that because I did have to do the higher, like pay the additional amount for the better prescription, it means that, like it's going to be my actual prescription all the way. And I don't have, I won't have to worry. Cause I was like, oh, I guess I should just like use those kind of for outside. Um, and these for when I'm reading all the time. But now as long as I like those other ones, I kind of have say. a backup pair. It kind of sucks that they were more expensive, but it's probably better to actually have your your correct prescription and it's what you're currently used to. So not that your eyes couldn't adjust, but you know what I mean? Right. It'll be exactly. an easy swap. So, yeah, but it's amazing because like this pair that I'm wearing right now, the frames were a hundred bucks mm. and I'm still getting, you know, and that was with and like a discount from my insurance so now like I don't remember what the lenses cost but I'm getting all right they're they're already cheaper if the lenses and the frames are a hundred (laughs) dollars so not a bad deal no definitely not I mean I love your glasses like I don't think that you needed to swap in that respect like I really like your current ones but I am still excited (laughs) for you to get them and to see them it's mostly because of the fun toppers so you can like sleep around and stuff so I think it's awesome I can't wait to find out about it yeah I'm super excited so I'll let you all know when I get them and if you have fun fancy glasses tell us all about them you can uh, email us. You can email us at apt29a at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at apartment, spelled all the way out, apartment29a. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.